Welcome to The Theology of the Buddy, a podcast for Catholics who love the beauty of the Church's sacred tradition. This is episode 72. My name is Chris, and I'm joined by my joyful co-host, Mike and Brooke. If you are somebody who is looking to grow in their faith in new ways, looking to network with other faithful Catholics who are committed to helping you grow closer to our blessed Lord, or simply looking for other Catholic voices who are willing to speak the truth without compromise while still having a little fun along the way, you've come to the right place. We're not experts, but have learned a lot collectively over the 15 plus years we've been friends in the faith, and we want to share those things that we have learned with you. So if you haven't yet, make sure you hit that subscribe button wherever you are listening to ensure you get the best Catholic candid conversations delivered to you every week. You can find us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, Google Podcasts, or YouTube. While you're at it, don't forget to follow us on social media so you can keep up to date with all of the great content we are sending out. You can find us at Theology of the Buddy, all one word. So today on our podcast, we are continuing in our Advent tradition of, it's a new tradition that that is completely new to us, kind of, not really. Um, but we are diving into the four last things in preparation for the Lord's incarnation at Christmas. And so we have talked about death judgment. And because today is technically Gaudete Sunday, we are rejoicing in our meditation on heaven. And we want to share some thoughts on our heavenly homeland with you. So, uh, but before we do that, welcome back, Mike and Brooke. It has been so long since I last saw you. We love you, Julie. That was probably so bad. It was beautiful. I'm sorry. In real life, we can kind of sing. Why did you? Why did you sing that? Because we love Julie. <laughs> explain explain the context though because our listeners don't necessarily know she hate okay you know what i don't think she hates the song lyrically i think she likes the song lyrically but she doesn't like how it's done she doesn't like the melody mm. it's like bum 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 I thought it was the verse where it sounds all carnival like that she doesn't like. Julie just does not like that song. I personally don't mind it. It kind of it's got a little bit of a skip to your step. Uh, and everyone in our Latin mass loves it so much more knowing that it bugs Julie. <laughs> I I remember the one year um, they sang that song and I just, I think it was that song, but I turned over my shoulder. <laughs> you did. And Julie's just like, don't look at me. <laughs> yeah. She, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah. When, when you know your friend's favorite song and either it hits them in the feels or they can't stand it. You're always going to know that there's that other friend that's looking over their shoulder. Oh. 
Indeed. Indeed. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, speaking <laughs> of things that drive us nuts. So, um, we are technically things are ramping up. Hey, in, uh, in our area, they're, they're starting to get ready to lock down masses again. I got a call from our priest friend in, uh, in the Windsor area. They're locked down. Um, but they're, they're trying really hard to, uh, work through it and uh like still do masses for 10 people or less um which is great because a lot of places are just like that's too much work um aka the the toronto diocese looking at you cardinal collins um so yeah how you guys doing with all that you you guys ready for a christmas day procession if we have to yeah, I was saying to Brooke, we better start practicing the Christmas propers just mm-hmm. in case we have to chant them ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. Sure like, that. I think there's a good chance we still get to have our mass, but it's. Yeah. I wouldn't be surprised if we didn't, though. Yeah. I would be sad, obviously, and I'm hopeful that it doesn't happen. But if if we did go into lockdown and they decided to like close up the parishes, I also wouldn't be surprised. Yeah. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, last night you guys were over at the house and we enjoyed a live stream concert together, which was, which was wonderful. Um, I put my arm out. That's how excited I was. Uh, <laughs> that's how old you are. Also. I know. <laughs> uh, Julie was like, you didn't warm up. I'm like, Oh yeah. Rookie move. I didn't, I didn't, warm up live stream concert at my house pre mosh pit stretches (laughs) so funny um yeah how old are you turning in january 65 shut up you (laughs) (laughs) yeah well at least i'm not balding as much as you are so let's let's be real here balding is generous (laughs) 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 already there (laughs) I think you look good, Mikey. Oh, thanks. Yeah. All you need is a spider tattoo or a spider web tattoo on your head, like Ryan Clark. Then you'll. Then you'll that is really <laughs> like that tattoo viscerally affected me when I saw that he had that. I, it was like it made me feel kind of sick. Yeah. Because <laughs> yeah. I'm like Ryan Clark. He's like a pretty handsome dude. Now I can't even look at him. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> For 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 those who are listening, Ryan Clark is the lead singer of a Christian metal band called Demon Hunter that we've followed since the days of our youth. Uh, yeah, two centuries yeah. ago. Not as we recently found out, a football player, one oh. of our uh, VIBs from America, told us that Ryan Clark is an America Ball player. Oh, interesting, interesting. Um. So, yeah, anyway, it was it was fun. It was fun. Um, but after after we were hanging out, I showed Brooke a music video, showed Mike and Brooke a music video. Um, and nobody's talking about it, which I'm surprised. Maybe I just haven't seen it. But like I'm connected with a lot of like Christian music groups and things like that, because that's kind of the scene I grew up in and whatnot. So but yeah, back in. When was it? Early 2000s? Yeah. 
Um, the band DC Talk, if you're familiar with that band, did a music video for their song called Consume Me. And it is it is eerily similar to what we see happening today, isn't it? Absolutely. It's like a prophecy of COVID from like 20 years ago. Yeah. Was it yeah. 20 years ago? Yes. What was what year did it come out again? So the actual album came out in uh it came out in 1998. Oh, 22. So yeah. it would have been around yeah. probably around the year 2000 that the the music video came out. Um because it was late in 98 that the album was released itself. Oh, so okay. so yeah, it's almost roughly 20 years ago and the music video is so it's just uncanny. So like everyone is masked. They're wearing like what looks to be like oxygen masks, but everybody is walking six feet apart, all in the same direction. Nobody is questioning. There's like a scene where a guy's being chased down by the authorities. Um, and in the end, the guy takes the mask off. A guy takes the mask off and realizes he can breathe. He's okay. And then like everybody else is inspired and takes their masks off. But it's, it's weird, right? Yeah. It's bizarre. Especially the six foot thing that kind of, it's kind of uncanny. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, yeah, you can check out our show notes at theology of the um, And you will see it under uh, our episode today under heaven. Um, and uh, yeah, we'll, we'll put a link to that video. Just go watch it. It's weird. So anyways, you guys, you guys want to talk about something that is better than COVID better than this world even when things were good mm-hmm. pre-covid namely mm-hmm. namely heaven let's yeah let's talk about heaven shall we i mean there is there is so much to to really touch on here um but if you're you know if you're dealing with a time in your in your spiritual life where it's getting a little hard to to just push through. Prayer is dry. Uh, you know, it's just kind of hard. It feels like you're, you know, just kind of dragging your feet. Meditating on heaven is of utmost importance because that's that's the goal. That's that's the real that's the real deal. But the thing is, I think it's really important to get out of our preconceived notions of what heaven is or what we've maybe seen, you know, portrayed in the media or things like that. And go, go look at the sources, look at, look at first and foremost, sacred scripture, look at the tradition of the church, look at the writings of the saints, because when you start going there, heaven opens up so much more and it, and the desire for heaven grows. And when you start to desire heaven, you start to be re-energized, if you will, in the faith. And it gives you that, you know, energy, if you will, to 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 trudge on because, you know, it it's worth it in the end. Yeah, that desire for heaven is really important. I 
in my notes, I had down a quote attributed to Thomas Aquinas where it's, at least it's said that one of his sisters asked him how to become holy and he simply said to desire it. And um, I, I was listening to a video with um, Father Gregory Pine where he was talking about this quote and he was, it was in the context of how you can think of heaven as the fulfillment of all desire, but this earthly life becomes kind of like one big desire and heaven is the fulfillment of that desire that never grows old, right? So yeah, cultivating that desire for for heaven is part of part of getting there and part of appreciating what it is essentially. A lot of people think like the concept of being in heaven is kind of difficult to grasp because it's like you don't have desires anymore essentially. So that was kind of an interesting way to think of it for me. Like that it's not like the concept of desiring things and having them fulfilled is absent. It's like the context of your life is the concept of what you've desired, which is um, our Lord and um, the beatific vision um, is the ultimate fulfillment. Yeah. Yeah. I think, you know, it's, I don't know if you've come across this as well, but I mean, especially in modern day speak, there's a lot of the way that they describe heaven is, and and the catechism kind of used the, the, the modern catechism um, kind of uses this terminology that, that heaven is a state, right? 1024, it says, heaven is the ultimate end and fulfillment of the deepest human longings, the state of supreme definitive happiness. But it keeps referring to it as a state, right? Like a spiritual state. And I've always found that wording to be a little weird, a little wonky, because it always, it, it kind of made me go like, Okay, so I could understand God in his nature and the angels being there in a spiritual state, but Christ in his glorified humanity, our Blessed Mother in her glorified humanity, if you believe in the tradition about St. Joseph, St. Joseph in his glorified humanity is there. Um, And how can a, a... a spiritual or a, a physical being dwell in a, in a strictly spiritual state. Um, and I was reading through a book. Um, it's from uh, Tan books. It's uh, called the four last things, death, judgment, hell, heaven by father Martin von Cochem. So this was written back in the late 1800s. Um, and yeah, published in 1900, but it actually answers that question. And I think in our meditating upon heaven, it's important to consider this because the, I think everything else kind of falls more into place when we're meditating on heaven. 
if we just kind of look at it like a spiritual reality, things get things get muddy, things get a little weird and and a little esoteric. And it's like, what is there, you know? Um, but this the this book received an imprimatur from his local bishop, um, yeah, back in 1899 from the Archbishop of New York, Michael Augustine. So I mean, there's nothing in error here, and he. He says in uh, in this book, and and I'd love to know your guys' thoughts on this. He says, We must not, as some do, picture to ourselves heaven as a purely spiritual realm. For heaven is a definite place where not only God is and the angels now are, but where Christ is also in his sacred humanity and Our Lady with her human body. There, too, all the blessed will dwell with their glorified body, bodies after the last judgment. If heaven is a definite locality, it must accordingly be a visible, not a spiritual kingdom, for a place must, in its nature, be to some extent conformable to those who abide in it, end quote. So, when, when we start meditating on heaven, we can, we can envision to ourselves literal things and not feel like we're getting too far off the mark, right? When our Lord says in the Gospels, in in my Father's house there are many mansions, you know, you can envision mansions and know that, you know, you might be on the right track, you know? We may not understand that what that looks like completely, um, but he kind of gets into that as well in this book. So, um, but yeah, so what are your guys's thoughts on this and 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 heaven in general it's kind of a different angle than what i've heard before honestly because like um i think there's kind of a reaction in catholic circles against the secular or maybe uninformed view of heaven where people basically describe it as limbo you know what i mean like it's basically like earth but everything was perfect and nothing hurt, you know, (laughs) just like, uh, you know, how we imagine limbo, like perfect, natural happiness. Um, it's it's like Valhalla or something, right? (laughs) I don't know. Like, um, but then from Catholics, I often see emphasized, like, no, it's like the, you know, unmediated presence of, the beatific vision and that spiritual aspect is what you have to emphasize to counter the error of, you know, no, it's like, you know, some combination of, you know, Muslim heaven or I, you know, get to see my dog again or something like that, you know, do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. No. And, and like, so yeah, he he kind of addresses that, right? And he says, for since God has created heaven for himself and for his elect, he has made it so beautiful and so glorious that the blessed will never tire of the contemplation of its splendors to all eternity. So, I mean, sometimes we kind of get this idea of heaven and we forget the last judgment. We kind of we kind of lop it off before the last judgment occurs and we don't really think about what happens after that. Right. I mean, we are humans 
we are embodied souls. We have the, the senses. We have an intellect. We have a will. We have all of those things. And all of those things are going to be taken up and deified in the last judgment. So, you know, he says, we are ignorant of what material structure uh, sorry, we are ignorant of what the material structure of heaven will be composed. We only know that it will be something infinitely superior to and more costly than the matter of which the other spheres, the sun, the moon, and the other heavenly bodies are formed. So um, he even he even mentions, uh, which I, warms my heart, he, he mentions something from St. Teresa of Avila. Um, who said, speaking of herself, she said, The Blessed Mother of God gave me a jewel and hung around my neck a superb golden chain to which a cross of priceless value was attached. Both the gold and the precious stones thus given to me are so unlike those which we have here in this world that no comparison can be instituted between them. They are beautiful beyond anything that can be conceived, and the matter whereof they are composed is beyond our knowledge. For what we call gold and precious stones, besides them, appear dark and lusterless as charcoal. End quote. Mm-hmm. You know, so yeah. beautiful. Beautiful. Yeah, I has I has not seen and ear has not heard, right? Like heaven is just this indescribable uh state place right um i was reflecting on this the other day in uh preparation for the podcast and i was thinking how it's just like in heaven it's just like an overwhelming happiness like like a fulfillment of every desire in seeing the beatific vision and uh you know being human human i was thinking you know it's going to be amazing to it would be amazing to see Jesus, to see Mary. And then there's a little part of me that was like, I don't know, kind of like meeting a pen pal that you haven't actually seen face to face where it's just like, I know you. And, you know, St. Teresa of Ava is like, I know you. And it's like this joyful, happy reunion. And then St. Joan of Arc shows up and it's just this, joy-filled moment i don't know <laughs> i'm a girl and you know i have all these girlfriends girlfriends <laughs> up in heaven that i'm just like i can't wait to see you <laughs> it's just like we could all pray together and it would be great <laughs> like i mean obviously we pray together now when we're at mass but it's just like to actually see and know these people it's just that's an exciting thing it's just like one tiny little part of heaven that I don't know. It makes me all giddy and happy. Is that is that sad? You can see no. it's sad. No, it's beautiful. <laughs> no, like, no, no. and that's the point, right? I mean, we, and I think like I was meditating on this earlier today about how when our Lord, when 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 God in the garden said, "It is not good for man to be alone," right? I mean. Adam had God. Mm-hmm. Adam had complete happiness in in the Garden of Eden, but he needed he needed a he needed communion with others, right? 
And mm-hmm. so God has in his infinite wisdom, not just made it so when we come to heaven, it's just God alone, right? But it's the communion of saints that we yeah, are the, able the to- The church triumphant, yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, and with the head is united with the body. And how beautiful is that? Um, mm-hmm. It's like everything, all... everything finally coming together, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 I mean, you know, another thing that he was talking about in this book as well was the immensity of heaven. How, you know, Baruch uh, says, um, the prophet Baruch says, Oh, Israel, how great is the house of God and how vast is the place of his possession. It is great and hath no end. It is high and immense. You know, mm-hmm. the, the vastness of heaven has made it so that the elect can, you know, <laughs> there's there's enough room for the elect and then some. It's it's a whole it's a whole world, and humongous <laughs> world, um, in itself. You know what I mean? Like it is world mm-hmm. with no end. Can I share something cool um, that I learned from that Gregory Pine video? Please. I think it kind of ties into the Sibo resurrected bodies and uh, like the part that they play. And this was the biggest thing that struck me from this. It's from his interview with Matt Frad. But uh, he was talking about how when you see, when we see in scripture our Lord in his resurrected body, he bears the wounds of his crucifixion. And it's the same with sacred depictions of martyrs and stuff like that you see them with the instruments of their martyrdom stuff like that but he said this which kind of blew my mind that our resurrected bodies will give perfect expression to god's love working in us during our lives he says that there's some part of that that's unique to us and what god did in our life like there's some element of god's love that he wants to express and to show to all of the saints in heaven through us. Like, like that's pretty mind blowing to think that me, if by the grace of God, I'm in heaven, something that God wanted to do with me would be like something that every single saint would be rejoicing about in heaven. You know, like pretty crazy. But I just be walking around with like a bag of endless bread. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know. I don't know. Something specific? God does seem to like endless bread. (laughs) You know, in the manna and how he chooses to be with us in the Holy Eucharist. He's a big fan of bread. And so are you. If I so, become if I become a saint, God willing, all depictions of me will just be my face surrounded by tons of bread, or just like you'd holding be like a, a seraphim, but <laughs> lo- loaves of bread surrounding a face. This looks like slices of bread. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, talking about that experience of you know the resurrected and glorified body that that the saints have in heaven there are, there are some principal qualities or attributes that um father martin talks about which i think are really really cool 
So oh, Martin's triggered. <laughs> it's his first name, not his last name. Um, so one being first that of beauty, right? So you were talking about God's love being manifested in a particular way in, you know, and being revealed to the entire community of the saints. Um, it says here, you know, that in these glorified and radiant bodies, the blessed will be so, will be so inexpressibly beautiful that if a mortal man were now to behold one of these resplendent beings, he would be dazzled by its brilliance and be ready to expire for joy of heart. You know, so our bodies will be beautiful. Um, he talks about they will be impassable, right? So incapable of any suffering. He talks about <laughs> this This one I really dig, especially after throwing my arm out last night. Um, the third attribute is agility. So the glorified body will be able to traverse the greatest distance with the speed of thought. Um, Those arm windmills are going to be super fast. Right, right. Um, and your dex bonus will be off the charts. <laughs> yes. And um, yeah, the fourth attribute is subtlety, he says, which consists in the faculty of penetrating all matter, of passing in and out wheresoever it will. Right. So all of these things are, I mean, they might be like, so where did we get this idea of what? what this means, you know, like, how did we figure, how do we figure all this out that this is what's going to happen? Well, we know from revelation, right? From, from divine revelation in the scriptures in the person of Christ, these things were, were exactly like that. He was beautiful. He was incapable of suffering. He was able to walk through locked doors, you know, and he was able to meet with 500 people, it says in scripture, 500, 500 or more people, I can't remember, but before he, you know, ascended. And he was able to meet with distant people, mm -hmm. like without traveling in between. Exactly. So, yeah. so, I mean, yeah. And along with that, right, our senses will be perfected. So... Mike won't need glasses anymore. <laughs> you know, Brooke won't need deodorant anymore. It'll just be. <laughs> I think I see a tear coming down Mike's face. <laughs> we won't need to buy her new slippers every year. <gasps> it'll just be one pair and it'll be the best pair. <laughs> Yeah. So, um, but maybe, maybe kind of coming back to heaven itself, there are, did you know that there are a number of saints that, um, who've said that heaven is filled with flowers, the most beautiful flowers that have ever been yeah. seen? Um, yep. so keep this in mind, right? So we've got, we've got perfected sight. So, I mean, we'll be able to see colors that we can't see right now. You know, we'll be able to see things that um, like we can see as far as we want or as near as we want. Like there's, there's no bound to our sight at that point, but yeah, you know, this, the, the thing about flowers 
It just, I was reading, it was saying here that the, yeah, according to to this book, St. Augustine and St. Anselm and many other saints do not hesitate to maintain that there are in heaven real trees, real fruits, and real flowers, indescribably attractive and delightful to the sight, taste, smell, and touch, different from anything we can imagine. In the Revelation of the Saints, mention is made of the gardens in heaven and the flowers that blossom there, and we know it is recorded in the legend of St. Dorothy that she sent to Theophilus by the hands of an angel a basket of flowers, called in the gardens of the celestial paradise, of such surpassing beauty that the sight of them led him to become a Christian and lay down his life for the faith of Christ. I mean, so cool. So cool. Mm -hmm. Amazing. Yeah. Along the same vein of like the reality of things in heaven, what do you think about the reality of crowns? Because that's a common metaphor used, right? Mm -hmm. Like in St. Paul, he talks about the winning the imperishable crown. I know um, Augustine talks about the metaphor being fitting for... Um, winning the beatific vision is called a crown both because it's a victory and because the um, the saints have kind of a kingly or queenly status and then he also talks about different kinds of crowns for um, he talks about it like the different nature of the charity that the person has but it's basically talking about things like virginity or martyrdom that have specific crowns to them what do you think about the idea of like the physicality of these things well you could think of it the same as like the saint Teresa's vision right absolutely absolutely i mean we understand from again from sacred scripture there are thrones in heaven right if christ has a physical body you know, he's got to sit somewhere. And so, you know, what that, what that throne is going to look like, is going to be pretty sweet. Um, you know, so, and, it, and, and yeah, why wouldn't there be crowns, especially after the, the last judgment and, and the resurrection from the dead, right? Why shouldn't the 12 apostles receive 12 physical thrones, you know, and why shouldn't our lady have her own throne? I mean, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I can envision in my mind our Lord building a a throne for his mother, you know, like mm -hmm. in his sacred humanity, being like, I have crafted this for you, you know, when 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 she comes home, you know, to heaven, he presents her with the with this throne. Like, come sit, you know. That's an amazing thing to think about uh, yeah, during the rosary. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and when I get to that uh, crowning of Mary next, mm -hmm. I'll be mm -hmm. thinking about that. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. And what excitement. I mean, mm -hmm. think about that. Like being reunited with his mother, the, the person he loves in the world, I would say the most. <laughs> I don't have a problem saying that. And being like... he. You did it. <laughs> mm -hmm. Like, 
you did it. Like I was listening to a thing today that was saying that, um, you know, Adam and Eve were also immaculately conceived. The difference is that they chose not to be obedient to the, to the will of God, you know, um, Mary had every opportunity to sin and she didn't. Right. Mm-hmm. I mean, when you think about um, in the book of Revelation, when or the, the book of the apocalypse, if you want to be super trad about it, the um, where our Lord says, I think it's in the third chapter of Revelation, where he says to him who conquers. And he keeps saying that over and over and over. He makes these promises to him who conquers. I will give this. I will give that. You know, I will give a new name. I mean, can you imagine going from Mary, mother of Jesus, to being given queen of heaven and earth? You know, mm-hmm. like, wow. Yeah. And I think that's part of the, in our meditation on heaven, we have to always remember that God doesn't make empty promises, right? He wants us to be with him. He desires us to be with him in in communion with him and with the, the communion of saints. And mm-hmm. so he's going to give us every ability and grace to do that, you know, in abundance. He's gonna, he does it in abundance. And when the Lord says, I'm going to give it, I'll, you know, he, he does. And not just in a little way, he does it in you know, infinite ways. So unless you're St. Therese, then he does it in a little way. (laughs) Yeah. But she took the elevator to heaven as she says. So, (laughs) (laughs) Oh man, Therese gives me so much hope. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, she gives me hope for Abby. Yeah. (laughs) Oh, Oh guys, you need to read that context of holiness book. Oh, you would, it'll give you even more hope for Abby. Um, is that, is that by St. Therese or by her, by? No, it's, um, it's Father Mark Foley that wrote it. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Oh, it's so good. It's so good. Um, but yeah, so maybe we should make mention going back, looking in our show notes that Brooke has generously done. Um, there are, there are, there are things that need to be done in order for us to get to heaven, right? And the first mm-hmm. and foremost thing that's needed is baptism. Yep. Right? Yeah, Catechism twelve fifty seven. Um and this is like our Lord said that baptism is necessary for salvation. We need to be baptized. And that's like, you know, step numero uno. Right. And uh yeah, and the, and there are two forms of that, just to kind of touch on them very very briefly but this baptism by water which i think most of us are all familiar with right and baptism by blood which i think mike could probably define a little bit better than i could oh it's basically just martyrdom but there's baptism of desire too yeah yeah but that one but baptism of desire is a little bit more nebulous right i mean and it's kind of the Mm -hmm. it's kind of the i mean it's not the it it doesn't have any guarantees, right? 
literal mm-hmm. baptism offers opens up the 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 storehouse of grace and and all of that. Well, let me read twelve fifty seven if that's okay. Yeah, please. It's it's fairly short. The Lord Himself affirms that baptism is necessary for salvation. He also commands His disciples to proclaim the gospel to all nations and to baptize them. Baptism is necessary for salvation for those to whom the gospel has been proclaimed and who have the possibility of asking for the sacrament. The church does not know of any means other than baptism that assures entry into eternal beatitude. This is why she takes care not to neglect the mission she has received from the Lord to see that all who can be baptized are reborn of water and the spirit. God has bound salvation to the sacrament of baptism, but he himself is not bound by his sacraments. Are we opening a, a new topic here? Because I don't think you can quote that without us talking about what the heck at least two of these ambiguous statements mean. Yeah. <laughs> you can cut it all out if you have to. <laughs> Why were you reading that again? Why? Just in general to say how to get to heaven. Yeah, just reaffirming like what the catechism. There are a couple ambiguous there. statements in there, though, like baptism's necessary for salvation only for people under certain conditions it says but i don't know that that's actually tradition no that is not tradition yeah it's necessary for all and yeah yeah, the the last line is kind of a like needs a lot of unpacking in order to not be a temptation to universalism and religious indifferentism yeah I agree with that. But long story short, you got to be baptized. Yeah. Jesus said so. Yeah. Maybe maybe piggybacking off of that point and kind of bringing it all to kind of the um the thing I wanted to talk about the you wanted to bring it back to Elizabeth of the Trinity. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So baptism obviously, you know, um makes it possible for salvation and all of that. Um, but also at that time when we're baptized, there is the indwelling of the Holy ghost in our souls. And I mean, I think it's very, very, very important to think about heaven in the context of at the end of our life. Um, certainly. Um, but, where the Spirit is, where the Holy Ghost is, there is Christ, there is the Father. And where is the King? There is his kingdom. The The scriptures say the kingdom of God is within you. And we, a lot of times we forget that. A lot of times we kind of forget that God is the, um, the sweetest guest of our souls, who's with us interiorly. And um, he doesn't just come to us in the Eucharist. And yes, absolutely, we should have a a longing and desire to receive him in the most blessed sacrament and should receive him as much as we can. But, you know, if we are in a state of grace, the Holy Ghost is living within us. And um, and that means that that heaven, heaven is within us. So sometimes we think, you know, we got to wait till the end of our lives. But if you read, especially the writings of the saints, particularly, um, I want to highlight 
Elizabeth, St. Elizabeth of the Trinity, you'll see that these saints started experiencing heaven in the here and now, and that it was possible by means of a virtuous life and by entering into a life of mental prayer that they were able to experience it in real ways. You know, she, um, I'm going to get the, there's a great quote that I found here. She says, quote, it seems to me that the souls on earth and those glorified in the light of the beatific vision are very near to one another, since they all share in the communion of the same God, the same Father, who gives himself to the former in faith and mystery, and satisfies the latter with his divine glory. But he is the same, and we bear him within us. He inclines himself to us in all his love, day and night, in his longing to impart himself to us, to infuse his divine life into us, so to make us deified beings, able to radiate him everywhere. End quote. You know, in her in her famous prayer, I don't know if you're familiar with this prayer, um, but she she prays to to the Trinity, and maybe and maybe we can end the podcast with this prayer if you would be open to that. Yeah. Um, so let's pray. In in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. Oh my God, Trinity, whom I adore, help me to forget myself entirely, that I may be established in you as still and as peaceful, as if my soul were already in eternity. May nothing trouble my peace or make me leave you, O my unchanging one. But may each minute carry me further into the depths of your mystery. Give peace to my soul. Make it your heaven, your dwelling place. May I never leave you there alone, but be wholly present, my faith wholly vigilant, wholly adoring, and wholly surrendered to your creative action. O my beloved Christ, crucified by love, I wish to be a bride for your heart. I wish to cover you with glory. I wish to love you, even unto death. But I feel my weakness, and I ask you to clothe me with yourself, to identify my soul with all the movements of your soul, to overwhelm me, to possess me, to substitute yourself for me, that my life may be but a radiance of your life. Come into me as adorer, as restorer, as Savior. O eternal word, word of my God, I want to spend my life in listening to you, to become wholly teachable, that I may learn all from you. Then, through all nights, all voids, all helplessness, I want to gaze on you always and remain in your great light. O my beloved star, so fascinate me that I may not withdraw from your radiance. O consuming fire, spirit of love, come upon me and and create in my soul a kind of incarnation of the word, that I may be another humanity for him in which he can renew his whole mystery. And you, O Father, bend lovingly over your poor little creature, cover her with your shadow, seeing in her only the beloved in whom you are well pleased. O my three, my all, my beatitude, infinite solitude, immensity in which I lose myself. I surrender myself to you as prey. 
bury yourself in me, that I may bury myself in you, until I depart to contemplate in your light the abyss of your greatness. Amen. Amen. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. Amen. Amen. All right, everyone. Well, thank you very much for listening to today's podcast. Um, again, we still have our giveaway going. It closes the fourth Sunday of Advent. So if you haven't yet, visit us on Facebook and Twitter, or sorry, excuse me, at on Facebook and Instagram at Theology of the Buddy. Look for our Christmas giveaway post and make sure that you read the instructions uh, that are in there. But if you want a little boost, which not a lot of you have, have taken advantage of yet, make sure that you mention in the comments your favorite podcast episode and you'll get a boost of five votes um, for the contest. We're offering Drinking with the Saints, a World War I rosary uh, from Our Lady's Armory, an exclusive Theology of the Buddy whiskey glass, um, a Memento Mori sticker, again, from uh, Our Lady's Armory, and then a beautiful print uh, graciously given to us uh, by Brooke at Visual Litany um, of Our Lady of Mercy, um, destroyer of the Coronas, um, <laughs> <laughs> and a couple bookmarks. So um, make sure you check out that giveaway. And yeah, if you again, if you haven't subscribed, make sure you do it. Um, just hit that subscribe button wherever you're listening. Um, share us with your friends um, and uh, make sure you follow us on social media. Again, all of our past episodes and show notes can be found at theologyofthebuddy.com. So next week, we are descending into the darkness, uh, into the great abyss. Uh of hell um but we are going to come back up and have a a wonderful christmas episode following that so uh you're not going to want to miss it um do you guys have any last thoughts no. i was gonna say if, if something traumatic had happened my last thought would probably be ah <laughs> <laughs> Just screaming. <laughs> I broke two co-hosts with that. <laughs> and everyone else. <laughs> then my leg snapped in half and I thought, hey, did I forget to turn off the iron? <laughs> <sighs> All right. Well, again, episodes are released every Wednesday. So and with the, that, yeah. Stay, stay tragic. tragic. <laughs> <laughs> uh. I am your friend. I am your friend. That was my joke. This is the end. <laughs> <laughs>